Hello and welcome back to Endopod. If you're new here, hi, this is Hepsi Xavier and I'm a third year medical student. Welcome to Endopod's revision series. Each episode will cover revision material for those preparing for exams or even just for those who are interested in learning the basics of endocrinology. In this episode, we're talking about hyperthyroidism. To begin with, we'll look at what it is and a brief talk about thyrotoxicosis. This will be followed by the pathophysiology of hyperthyroidism and then we'll move on to the causes and discuss certain causes in more detail. Then we'll move on to talk about clinical presentation, investigations and treatment. And finally, we'll have a look at subclinical hyperthyroidism. What is hyperthyroidism? It is defined by the overactivity of the thyroid gland resulting in overproduction of thyroid hormone. It can be classed as primary in which the pathology is within the thyroid gland itself, or secondary in which the thyroid gland is stimulated by excess of thyroid stimulating hormone or TSH. We also have to mention the term thyrotoxicosis, which is a clinical state as a result of high levels of thyroid hormone. On the other hand, in hyperthyroidism there is excessive thyroid hormone synthesis by the thyroid gland. Also, thyrotoxicosis can occur without hyperthyroidism. So moving on to the pathophysiology. In primary hyperthyroidism, a pathology affects the thyroid gland which results in excessive production of T3 and T4. The excessive levels of T3 and T4 which negatively feed back to the pituitary and hypothalamus. This causes a decreased production of thyrotropin-releasing hormone and thyroid-stimulating hormone. Hence, primary hyperthyroidism is characterized by low levels of TRH and TSH and high levels of T3 and T4. In secondary hyperthyroidism, the pathology affects the pituitary or the hypothalamus and causes TSH production to be increased. This excess TSH then causes the thyroid gland to overproduce T3 and T4. Under normal circumstances, the high levels of T3 and T4 were negatively feedback to reduce TSH. However, due to the pathology, the negative feedback is ineffective and TSH is continuously produced. So secondary hyperthyroidism is characterized by high levels of TSH and high levels of T3 and T4. Let's look at the causes of primary hyperthyroidism, also known as thyrotoxicosis. The main cause of primary hyperthyroidism is Graves' disease in 70% of cases. Other causes include toxic multinodular goiter and toxic adenomas. Secondary hyperthyroidism can be caused by pituitary adenoma which secretes TSH. As mentioned before, thyrotoxicosis can occur without hyperthyroidism. You may be wondering how that happens. Well, it could occur as a result of destructive thyroiditis, which is can postpartum, subacute, or amiodarone-induced, or due to excessive thyroxine administration. Graves' disease plays a major role as a cause of hyperthyroidism, accounting for 70-80% to 80% of all cases. It more commonly affects females than males, with a ratio of 5 to 1, and Graves' disease is an autoimmune-driven condition in which antibodies are produced that bind and mimic TSH. This causes the thyroid gland to be continually activated, meaning that there is an increased release of thyroid hormones. 
As a result, TSH released from the anterior pituitary is switched off, so plasma levels of TSH are actually very low. The thyroid gland may be two or three times bigger than the normal size due to hyperplasia. Since Graves' disease is an autoimmune condition, you should review the family history for concurrent autoimmune diseases. Multinodular goiter is another cause of hyperthyroidism. It is the most common cause of thyrotoxicosis in the elderly. The condition is characterized by goiter and by the absence of Graves' disease. Patients with multinodular goiter will not go into spontaneous remission. And now let's quickly discuss subacute thyroiditis, which can be a cause of thyrotoxicosis. This condition generally affects younger patients under the age of 50. There is usually a viral trigger such as enteroviruses or Coxsackie virus. It often can present with painful goiter, sometimes with fever or myalgia. To treat it, short-term steroids and NSAIDs may be required. The clinical presentation of hyperthyroidism includes weight loss, irritability, heat intolerance, bowel frequency, light menstruation and sweaty palms. An individual with hyperthyroidism may also present with palpitations or tremors and they may also have thyroid eye symptoms or signs. So why would someone with hyperthyroidism lose weight and be intolerant to heat? Well this is a result of increased metabolic rate and heat production. Weight loss can also occur due to protein catabolism. Tremors in hyperthyroidism are a result of altered nervous system function and palpitations can result from elevated cardiovascular function as thyroid hormones have a permissive effect on epinephrine or adrenaline beta receptors in the heart. We have a handy summary on the clinical presentation of hyperthyroidism on our Instagram, so feel free to check that out. The main investigation to consider for hyperthyroidism are thyroid function tests. Additionally, serum TSH levels should be checked. Other investigations that also should be considered include TSH receptor antibodies to check for Graves' disease, thyroid peroxidase antibodies in postpartum individuals if postpartum thyroiditis is suspected, inflammatory markers such as erythrocyte sediment sedimentation rate or ESR, and C-reactive proteins such or CRP if suspecting thyroiditis. Full blood count and liver function tests if starting antithyroid drugs are also required. The treatment options for hyperthyroidism include antithyroid drugs and beta blockers, as well as radioiodine and surgery. Antithyroid drugs are often the first option of treatment. Examples are carbamazole or propylthiouracil. They can either be given as a titration regimen over 12 to 18 months or block and replace format. Both have a 50% chance of cure, however, the block and replace form have higher side effects. Side effects include rash and agranulocytosis. Long term low dose antithyroid drugs are considered for selected cases such as in the elderly, individuals with cardiac complications, and those unwilling for radioiodine. The next step after antithyroid drugs is radioiodine. It is usually given as a high ablative dose. It has a 90% chance of cure, however, 30% risk developing hypothyroidism. Radioiodine is avoided in severe eye disease. Another form that radioiodine can be given is variable calculated, which has a 60 to 90% chance of cure and a less risk of hypothyroidism.
to finish off with, let's have a look at subclinical hyperthyroidism. It is characterised by reduced TSH levels, but free thyroid hormone levels remain normal. The main concerns regarding subclinical hyperthyroidism are decreased bone density in postmenopausal women and atrial fibrillation, and there's a three times risk of this in people who are over 60. Treatment of subclinical hyperthyroidism should be considered if it is persistent, especially in the elderly or those with increased cardiac risk, and treatment would be antithyroid drugs or radio iodine. This concludes today's episode on hyperthyroidism. We've covered a lot of information, so if you have any questions, let us know. I hope you've enjoyed it and thank you for listening. Please like and share this podcast with everyone. And of course, we're always grateful for all the support we are receiving. Before I go, I want to say a big thank you to Tejasvi Sharma, one of our charity coordinators, who contributed to the making of this episode. As always, stay safe and happy. This is Hepsi Xavier, signing off.